Welcome to Right to Life in Michigan's Life Beat. I'm your host today, Chris Gast. Joining me today is, as always, Grace Hemmeke, but is not always, but back, making her triumphant return, our PAC director, Emily Kroll. Emily, welcome back. I hope it's a triumphant return. We'll find out on Tuesday. So we're going to talk about just all things election today. I'm sure uh, you're sitting there at home listening and you haven't had enough election ads and election social media posts and election news. I thought we'd just add a little bit, you know, to give you a better, fuller picture of the election, just in case, you know, you're not ready, uh, already sick of that. Uh, I thought we'd start out, though, with a story uh, real quick. And this is very much related to the election. So, I mean, the broad sweep of the election is economy numbers, not so great. Uh, right track, wrong track numbers for the president, not so great. Tough midterm settings. And so Democrats in general are trying to really capitalize on abortion as their election savior uh, to get a bunch of people to turn out and, and vote for abortion and ignore everything else. Uh, to that end, NPR yesterday, or was it two days ago, released a story where they, uh, a reporter actually went to an abortion facility and did an audio, not a visual, of course, uh, we don't want to show you that, but an audio recording of an abortion taking place in Michigan um, at one of the Renee Chellian's Northland family uh, planning centers. And... Uh, People reacted to it. Not the nicest sound. Some uh, groaning and awfulness and pain and yeah. Yeah. So the the procedure that they recorded was a, a vacuum aspiration abortion. So it's yep. when they stick the cannula up through the cervix and turn on a very powerful vacuum and, you know, rip an unborn Gen child apart, it's live from them. It's gentle suction, Emily. That's oh, what yeah. they tell their patients. Gentle suction. It didn't suction. sound very gentle, speaking as someone who unfortunately had to listen to it. Well, I guess I didn't have to, but I did. It's my flaw <laughs> of curiosity. Um, there was nothing gentle about that section. That's the same lie that they tell in popular TV series and such that we've seen in the last couple of years. But, I mean, it was very much put through the, the lens of Proposal 3 is coming up here in Michigan. It was NPR doing a story trying to say abortion is health care. There's nothing weird or unusual or immoral happening here. Um, and it was, it was all under the guise of supporting Proposal 3. It, having sat through uh, four childbirths, uh, it sounded eerily like a childbirth to me, except the end result is not, uh, here's your child, it's a uh, nothing. Just nothing. Yeah, um, they, they're trying really, really, really hard, and they, they really don't have anything else but i thought we've seen some interesting stuff from polling and whatnot last couple of days they said that uh you know suburban women which is supposedly their top you know demographic for this abortion issue which is a little bit ironic because obviously women from the suburbs have abortions there's a broad spectrum of, of people have abortions but 
most women having abortions are not suburban soccer moms, the, the, the sort of holy grail of American politics uh, going on like 20 years now. They are tending to swing uh, to the Republican side, which generally these days means generally the pro-life side because of how parties sort out. So uh, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm just a man here, so I'm not qualified to weigh in. So ladies, thoughts on suburban, suburban women uh, abandoning the abortion party, at least for this election? Well, Prop 3 is making it very clearly extreme. It's kind of an all or nothing this cycle, in Michigan at least. If you vote for Prop 3, you're voting for late-term abortion. So that's probably what's driving them away, I think. There's there's also the other aspects that are in Prop 3, but it is a national trend as well. So you have the suburban women that swung massively for Joe Biden in 2020 seem to be walking back their support. I would say that was more of an anti-Donald Trump vote than a pro-Joe Biden vote in the suburbs specifically. Um, and, you know, when you come after women's kids, they tend not to like what you're doing. So we're seeing that as a trend all over the country. The, the data out of Miami-Dade down in Florida is pretty shocking. Hispanics have broken massively. Um, Hispanics tend to be pro-life, and they've broken massively to the pro-life side in this election. It's got the potential to flip some districts around the country. But suburban women are an enigma because they tend to be more of the who you would expect to be reproductive freedom and my rights but they're also you know you come after someone's kids and you're, you don't want to poke the mama bear and so and it's a national trend here and here in Michigan specifically the prop three is really kind of a wedge they went too too far um, and we're seeing the blowback from that the interesting thing about I think for the NPR story and kind of to tie it up is it was so obviously in support of Prop 3 that they went to Northland Family Planning, Kathleen Nuricher, um, who is a major mover and shaker in the Proposal 3, support for Proposal 3 here in, here in the state of Michigan. Um, she's probably the abortionist who's been the most vocal in support going through campaign finances she's donated herself through direct and in-kind donations about $25,000 to their ballot question committee so it's not just the fact that they ran the story it's who they ran it with and where they ran it that there is no such thing as nonpartisan reporting anymore and NPR has gone off the deep end yeah, uh, and it's it's not just limited to uh, you know the Hispanics and those Cubans out in Miami, um, you know potentially flipping that county for the first time in I don't know who knows since Reconstruction or something. Um, but uh, just here in Michigan, we saw kind of a, I don't know if it was two days ago or yesterday, but alarm bells going off. So. Uh, the Detroit city clerk gave a press conference, which apparently is something she's done in the past, where mm -hmm. she kind of announces, like, this is how many voters we expect to have to deal with. And just to give some background, in 2018, she predicted that they would have something like 41% to 46% turnout, and she actually was right, and the city of Detroit had 41% turnout. She actually predicted 47%. In 2018, she was five points over in her prediction. 
Well, she gave a range. I guess forty-seven's out of the. Forty-seven was out, out of the, the high of her range. So she a little high. She overestimated slightly in slightly. 2018. Well, uh, she just predicted Detroit city of Detroit turnout, and she predicted, I think it was twenty-eight to thirty-three percent. So, um. You know, there's been a lot said in Michigan about, well, how redistricting went and they, you know, basically they took away the black congressional district. Um, you know, the Voting Rights Act requires you to like try to set up uh, majority minority districts and they couldn't do that with the redistricting. They had to uh, spread out those voters among other districts, increases their chances of winning other districts for the Democrats. But by doing that, they sort of took out any uh, majority minority or however you want to say that districts in Michigan. Um, and of course, economy stuff and other things. Um, but if Detroit is only at 33% turnout, and that's her high range, if Detroit's at 28% turnout down 13 points, so basically a third from uh, 2018, if that, if, if that, unless that's a specific thing to the city of Detroit, Gretchen Whitmer cannot win with those numbers unless turnout everywhere else just sinks. And everything we've been seeing is, and we've been expecting like massive turnout in this, in this midterm, which is the trend lately. So I was kind of surprised. And then it like, like a reporter tweeted that and like no one was picking up on it for like a couple hours. It's like, that's a pretty big alarm bell. Especially since Obama was just campaigning with Whitmer in Detroit last week. Well, that's why he's campaigning in Detroit. Well, that's they, why he's campaigning. They kind of know that their own internal stuff like, ooh, that's not going well. It, it's very interesting to see. So in 2018, we didn't have any reason absentee ballots in the state of Michigan. You had to have a valid reason for work or illness or something like that in order to get an absentee ballot. Now, because of the ballot proposal question, whatever number it was, you, we now have in the state of Michigan reason-free absentee voting. So anyone can vote absentee. So we've seen an increase in the number of people requesting absentee ballots, but this year specifically we're seeing the number of people returning those ballots is lower than expected, particularly in the Detroit area. They're lagging behind the rest of the state by about five or six percentage points. Um, it kind of matched reports that we were getting from canvassers on the ground about excitement levels of people to vote in the city of Detroit particularly. And so it's, it's kind of a confirmation, but we're not taking that to the bank. We're not counting any chickens um, because election day is still a few days away and people can show up to vote at the polls. But it is encouraging. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. If that trend sticks with other major population centers, so you've got the Grand Rapids area, you've got the Traverse City area and the Lansing area, which are all also lagging behind the rest of the state, we could see a record turnout for the Republican Party and an average turnout for the Democrat Party in this midterm election. Which would be pretty catastrophic for them in it, general. It would be a major victory for the forces who oppose abortion in the state of Michigan. 
Yeah, it's it's become yeah it's become pretty polar, polarized. You can't really get around that fact, especially now when you have an entire political party's campaign is centered on we will do anything to promote abortion at any cost. You know, forget about forget about your <laughs> forget about the fact you can't get antibiotics when you go to the doctor right now. Uh, you know, worry about that. I mean, they, it, they're they honest about it, though. Yeah, well, according to Gretchen Whitmer, you know, abortion is life-sustaining. She, when she canceled uh, screenings and outpatient surgeries during the pandemic, and but she let abortions continue, they asked her, why would you do that? She's like, well, abortion's life-sustaining. So, you know, antibiotic for your child suffering with a severe ear infection, eh, abortion, life-sustaining. Well, now she's claiming she didn't close, uh, didn't put COVID patients in nursing homes either. Oh, yeah, I saw that today, yeah. Um, So we didn't, you know, we did not, Right to Michigan did not really weigh in on the pandemic because we are not a public health organization. We deal with this little subset of uh, health issues. Uh, But in the pandemic, we started to get calls and emails from a bunch of Gretchen uh, Gretchen Whitmer supporters saying, uh, you're a bunch of grandma killers because you're not supporting her pandemic orders and you're not promoting her and you're not shilling for her, which is not really our job. Uh, so we got kind of upset, but then it came out that, uh, oh, Gretchen Whitmer was taking coronavirus patients in recovery and putting them into, so these are people infected with a virus who everyone was extremely concerned about at the time, instead of like utilizing you know, the Kobo or TCF or whatever, that Kobo Hall in Detroit, instead of utilizing Kobo, which was turned into a, uh, a basically a pandemic hospital, no, no, we're just going to send them out into nursing homes and nursing homes. You just deal with it, you know, magically keep this respiratory virus from like spreading in, in, in you know, indoors. Uh, well, that didn't work. Uh, old people died. You know, it, it's interesting. Tudor Dixon's was it her grandmother, right, mm-hmm. or her mother? Her grandmother died, and she hasn't really made that much of a. She hasn't talked about that a well, ton. Well, her grandmother didn't die of COVID, um, but oh, her grandmother essentially died of loneliness because the family wasn't allowed to go visit her. Oh, hey, like my grandmother. Um, my grandmother that I couldn't get to see, and right? we didn't get to hold a funeral for her. Whitmer's yeah. policies are the reason that my grandmother died. She was taken. From her assisted living facility, she had a seizure, went to the hospital there for a day, tests negative for COVID multiple times. Um, Her assisted living facility was ready to welcome her back. And we found out when we went to the hospital to visit her that she had been transferred to a COVID facility, nursing home in Muskegon. Took us two weeks to get her out. She never had COVID, but she had been neglected to the point she hadn't been showered, she hadn't been fed, and she died a few days later. So... Gretchen Whitmer's policies—it's a little bit personal. So when she's going on li- or on the news and saying, "I never made that order," it's like, please, Gretchen. Even Politifact is fact-checking you on this. Um, while while families were not allowed to be with their dying relatives, she decided to take a billionaire's jet to Florida to visit her father because he was sick. The, the hypocrisy there is the rules are for thee, not for me. And I, I really hope that we get rid of her on Tuesday. So don't call Emily a grandma killer because she's going to have a conversation with yeah, you about this topic. <laughs> yeah, moral lesson for the day. No. Um, 
Yeah, so I've been looking at the the betting markets. I, I I'll personally say do not. I would not gamble on elections because a fool and his money are soon parted. But uh, that is a way of sort of uh, it's just an additional check to polls, kind of getting a broad view, like what do people think? And you know, in Michigan, it's still tough. They still have Whitmer as the favorite. Uh, but overall, uh, they have the Republicans taking control of Congress with, uh, I think the bet now is, uh, the highest bet is 54 seats in the Senate, uh, taking control of the House of Representatives, um, which will be interesting with the administration. And this administration, now unfortunately, one of the, the downsides is, uh, so that's encouraging, uh, not so high on Tudor Dixon yet, but um, she did uh, have a big increase there. We're high on Tudor Dixon simply because we, you know, we hear these numbers and all the polls that are coming out in Michigan. Some of them were just flat out stupid, like Gretchen Whitmer up seventy million points. <laughs> like no, 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 not at all. Um, and if if Detroit turns out at twenty eight percent, you just light those poles on fire and mm-hmm. ship off those pollsters to Ohio or something. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, really, most honest polls now are within the margin of error. It essentially means that they're neck and neck coming down coming down the stretch and someone's going to win it by a nose. If Detroit doesn't show up, it might be more than a nose. But um, And that's the pattern we saw. It really, the polling really started flipping after the first debate on October 15th. 13, 13, not 15. And then um, it, they haven't changed a lot since the last debate, simply because there's not as many polls that have been coming out since the last debate. It takes them a little while to go through their data. We'll get a couple more before. But keep keep in mind, these polls still have Whitmer up usually by about three to four points. Um, and But these are also polls that were wildly outside of their margin of error two years ago. Um, so much so that they kind of became laughing stocks of pollsters for the entire nation. So we'll, we'll see. I would say, based on all of the data and reports from the ground, that they're neck and neck. And so it's really going to take, you know, don't, don't sit at home and think like, oh, we've got this in the bag. Everyone has to get to the polls to vote. You have to get there to vote for a pro-life governor candidate in Tudor Dixon. Uh, pro-life attorney general, pro-life secretary of state, all the way down the ballot, and especially no on proposal three, because if we stay home, no matter what happens in Detroit, it we won't win. So we, we've really just got to keep the momentum up and get, get through it. Right. So so if the Republicans can take Congress, that would, that would be helpful. Uh, however, it's just the Biden administration is doing so much through stuff like their FDA, which interestingly I saw the other day, the FDA was dinging abortion uh, facilities for using uh, the abortion pill without even confirming a pregnancy, which is a big, which is a big no-no. So the F- Biden's FDA lets them get away with, oh, you don't have to do in-person stuff anymore. We'll just, you know, fudge the rules. We don't care. The abortion facilities are like, thanks. And they're like, oh, we're going to break some more rules. And the FDA is like, hey, what? What a bunch of ingrates. Like, we let you get away with this, and now you're... Yeah, of course. Gave them... They don't follow any rules. They gave them a mile. 
They gave him a mile okay. and they went 10. Because like removing yeah, the yeah. in doctor is not an inch. That's that's a whole dang mile. Yeah. And so, you know, proposal three passes in Michigan, which it better not. Uh, we're optimistic. Uh, it's it's real. Our polling has been, it's been real close all the way. Um, they have not been up 67 or whatever. That first poll is pretty stupid uh, at, at all. Um, but a proposal three passes and you give, I mean, if you give abortion facilities, you know, an inch, they'll take a mile, you give a mile, they'll take 10. You give them a constitutional amendment that says, oh, you guys get to set all the rules in the state because it's your clinical standards. And, oh, we can't restrict anyone's autonomous decision-making anyway. I mean, you can't do anything, nothing. You know, people want to pretend like these are legitimate healthcare facilities with well-trained doctors who always follow the rules and have the women's uh, best interest always top of mind. And that's just not the case. We see time and time again, no matter how much leeway you give them, like in Pennsylvania, like they said, oh, okay, fine. We will stop inspecting you. You can just regulate yourselves. And then we get Kermit Gosnell. Yeah. You know, without fail. All these, all these states all the time, how bad it is. Well, look at what happened in Muskegon, the abortion facility on Apple there. They weren't doing the health inspections, and it took the roof caving in before we found out that there were literally bloody handprints on the equipment. Like, what the heck, man? <laughs> yeah, so one pushback I've seen on Proposal 3 from people is like, oh, well, women won't stand for that. And it's like, well, no, yes, they will, because... We have 50 years of seeing them do it. You know, again, these are not suburban women getting, you know, concierge white glove treatment when they go into abortion facilities. These are women who are generally poor and minorities and in inner cities getting charged cut rate for this abortion. Uh, and they don't, the abortionists just don't care. A lot of them just don't care at all they're making a whole lot of money and the more people they ship through their doors the more money they make and that's really what it comes down to um, a lot of people are always shocked by even numbers on the abortion pill it, it costs the abortion facility about 94 dollars for the pills and they sell them for 500 i mean that's 400 percent profit margins so it, it really is it comes down to it's a multi-billion dollar industry, and they want to be able to regulate themselves. They want to be able to do whatever they want. They've got a monopoly, and they just want to keep it. Maybe it's just inflation, Emily. <laughs> inflation. Uh, sure, sure. Imagine well, they're going to start inflating. All the, the other inflation, more. that's corporate profits. In this case, though, it's really just inflation. It's not that the abortion facilities want to maximize their profits. Yeah, we're just, we're just they're a nonprofit, women. Chris. They're nonprofit. That's they're right. Yeah, they're a nonprofit that continually makes a hundred million dollars in profit every year. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, and pay their exact. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Um, it's uh. So, has anyone voted yet? Yes. Oh, Grace already voted. Did you did you vote no on three? Just making sure. Well, yeah, yes. Okay, I voted okay, no okay good. That's one. We're one. <laughs> I'm old school. I like to go to the polls, um, particularly because for now, this will be my last election cycle in a very small town. So I walk in and I say hi to everybody. It's like my aunt's running the election. So I know everybody there. So it's a lot more fun. 
uh, for me to go to the polls. So maybe I'll vote absentee in the future, but I'm sticking with my tradition for now. Well, I'm voting in person. It'll be interesting to see turnout. It's always hard to gauge. Everyone, you know, has their examples of, I have these massive lines. I didn't see anyone, you know. Uh, that's what's kind of interesting now to see what people are saying about the election online. It's, I mean, both sides are in hardcore optimism or cope mode, whatever, however you want to see that. Uh, people just, all their little personal anecdotes, like, I had a friend do this, so all everyone out there is doing that. Um, any fun, any fun anecdotes? You know, I haven't seen anybody testing wind temperatures and talking to their great aunt Jemima, who uh, has a swollen ankle, so that obviously means election victory. So <laughs> I think honestly, hey, that, that might be more accurate than some polling. <laughs> it probably would be actually. She's got a fifty percent chance. Um, <laughs> I think I think this year it is so close in Michigan that people are withholding from predictions. So I'm cautiously and hopefully optimistic. Yeah, I never make predictions anymore. I thought that uh, Romney would beat Obama. Nope. I thought that Clinton would beat Trump. Nope. I thought that Trump would beat Biden. Nope. Uh, so I just, I surrender. You're not allowed to make predictions. You know, um, and, you know, and, and each of those times, you know, we talk about conventional wisdom too, which is what a lot of polling and predictions and seems to rely on and we seem real short of common sense and conventional wisdom like you know romney conventional wisdom is the oh the challenge you know the undecided break towards a challenger they didn't do that they broke towards obama conventional wisdom is when you're up in polling every day like 10 points forever like clinton that you're gonna win that wasn't the case uh Conventional wisdom is you have to, if you run your campaign having like three people show up to your events and you don't do anything and you're in your basement eating chocolate ice cream all day, you can't win a presidential election. But Joe Biden proved that conventional wisdom wrong. So, he had the, um, you know the thing. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see, you know, conventional wisdom. You know, Whitmer has spent so much money, like, I don't even want to watch TV anymore because it's wall to wall Whitmer. I start to wonder if it's so much that it turns people off. You know, if, if you're not a likable person to begin with and you are in their face and in their minds all day, every day, uh, I mean, I it's made me not even want to turn my TV on. I'm sure that's a sentiment that a lot of people can share, regardless of your views uh, on uh, abortion or the political spectrum. But... But man, I mean, she has spent, I don't know, how much, has she spent 40 times as much as Tudor Dixon? So, 30, 20 times as much? Yeah, so Whitmer, as of the last campaign finance report, had raised something around $40 million. Um, so she was outfunded, so she had by 30 to 1. Um and so she, she, her ad buys have been large. Um, the big national teachers union just did a $2.2 million ad buy for her. You know, the people who wrote letters to the school, like wrote letters right. to governors begging them to keep schools closed. And then they're supporting the candidate who lied and said schools were only closed for three months. So, I mean, she's got 
a lot of big money behind her, but big money didn't help Hillary. Um, so I'm hoping it won't help Whitmer. But really, if you are at all inclined not to like her and you see her that much, it probably is not a great motivating factor to get out to vote. If you had told me that the governor candidate would be outspent 30 to 1 and polls were have her down like 40 points, like it should be an afterthought. Yet here she is, neck and neck. We'll see what the final results are. But um, after the election, I mean, I think we've done this several times, you know, and in and, and Right to Life Michigan, we're so experienced with the polls being so bad, like so awful, like... You know, when Jim Blanchard lost to John Engler, I think Engler was down like 18 points in the weekend or something ridiculous. Um, you know, our final vote tally in our 98 assisted suicide ballot proposal, they said that we would win like 54 with 54 points and we won with 71, just an absolute crushing for all time so much. So they haven't even brought up euthanasia or assisted suicide in Michigan took them 20 years just to even be willing to talk about it again. Um, you know, we're, we're just so used to the polling being so bad. So I guess the message today is we'll all find out on Tuesday and everyone's conventional wisdom can get tossed out and, uh, and we'll uh, not believe the polls again maybe, but then uh, it'll take about a couple of weeks and we'll be back on the polls, say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. That's all the time we have for this edition of LifeBeat. Go out, vote early, vote oft. I mean, vote once, once. legally. <laughs> vote no on Proposal 3. Vote for pro-life candidates. Go to our website, rtl.org, to get your list of endorsed pro-life candidates on your ballot. Have a nice, wonderful Michigan Fall weekend, and we will see you next week. Thank you.